0: Hello, and welcome to the Love Shared podcast from the River Church in Redlands, with the latest in our dialogue series, our monthly discussion where we sit down with great guests and dive into conversation at the intersection of faith and society. Thank you for joining us for episode 19, where Pastor Nick Intout interviews with Principal Yide from Lagonia Elementary in Redlands, California. This episode is a special look at our church and its community relationships. Check out the show notes for any additional information from the episode. Now, let's get started. This is the Love Shared Podcast, um, and we are exploring tonight how God is on the move in our city. We're kind of going beyond the River Church uh, specifically but to an area of our city where uh, the river is also involved and engaged. So uh, we have a really special guest, especially since yesterday we were a part of a ceremony that um, Principal Yaiti initiated, I believe you initiated it, with the state of California. You wrote the, yeah, the golden bell um, ceremony and... Uh, which was uh, validated or in the process of being validated yesterday. And the Golden Bell Award, from what I understand, is uh, for programs that the state is looking to potentially replicate in other schools. And they saw the partnership with Lagonia and the River and were interested. And so I read the uh, application, I think, I guess that it is, that you wrote that was in the folders that were handed out yesterday. And... um, man, I, I really actually didn't know some of those statistics about the impact that that relationship has had, uh, just from your end, what you've seen in terms of suspension rates and truancy rates and um, you know, just fights breaking out, and I love that. And we're gonna talk about that tonight. Uh, but first things first, we wanna just get to know you. We've spoken about you um, in just you know, a glowing fashion in this community for so long. You just have that like aura of a, a Jedi master. Yeah, <laughs> and so uh, first things first, how in the world did you become the principal at Lagonia Elementary School, how did, and how long have you been there?
1: I've been at Lagonia approximately 12 years, and uh, anyone who knows me will know that I have a firm belief that the Lord works in mysterious ways, and that events happen in our life that prepare us for things to come. So along that that vein um I was gosh maybe 9 years old when I knew that I needed to work in some capacity serving others so one thing led to another and Lori Rhodes came to become superintendent with Redlands Unified School District and I had worked with Lori in another school district, rang her up and said, you know, I'm interested in applying to uh, Redlands Unified. Do you have anything open? I applied and withdrew my application and said, you know, uh, as much as I would like to work with Redlands, my current school district is offering me another opportunity. Well, in that process, I was asked, would you be interested in working with a more affluent community or at a school that has higher needs? So that started me thinking. Six months later, it was right around uh, Christmas, or just before Christmas. I called what Laurie. Year? What year was that? I cannot tell you. Was it like 10 I, years I am ago or timeline 15? challenged. Yeah. <laughs> I can, I am I'm timeline challenged. <laughs> no, I definitely. I, I like that. <laughs> well, I can tell you that my children were in grammar school, and that's about Is it it. 20 years? Like 15. Oh, no. i say probably about 14 years ago. Okay. Probably about 14. So, long story short, um, I called Lori up and said I would like to make application again. It turns out that the choice that I made doesn't seem to have been the choice that was meant for me to make. And when um, I applied again, I was told that Lagonia Elementary School would be the school that I would be working at. Now, had I accepted a position six months earlier, I would have been named principal at another school, mm-hmm. hence my firm belief that the Lord had a hand in this.
0: Yeah, no kidding. So. Um, so- you had this kind of change of heart in that six months, or a clarity, like there was some clarity that came about as you, somebody asked you the question, "Do you want to work in an affluent, more affluent school, or in a, a school with higher needs?" Why did you choose that? Why did you well, choose the school with with higher needs?
1: I chose at the onset. I chose, uh, and my response was that I would prefer to work at a school with higher needs, and lo and behold, six months later it was a school of higher need.
0: Gotcha, so why did you prefer that? Because I think most, many people would say, you know, I, I want a career that's, I mean, I've seen some of what you've gone, th- you've gone through and it, it's a lot. Um, and you know, you're know, you working it with families that have high needs and students that, um, I think it's 25% come from uh, English language learner backgrounds. Uh, So these are big challenges, uh, not to mention the socioeconomic gap. I think is that 90% of Lagonia students have free and reduced lunch. And so you you preferred that.
1: Yes. Why? Because, again, my experiences and the opportunities that the Lord gave me um, from coming from an immigrant family to the United States to my mother sharing that we all have a responsibility in helping one another, in helping our community in any way that we can, to working as an, as an assistant principal in three different schools with three different school cultures, working with multiple principals over the years in the capacity of a teacher, and one day recognizing that I am a teacher and I want to continue to be a teacher my entire life. I think we're all teachers. I think moms are teachers, dads are teachers. I think all of us are teachers at heart. The difference is that I wanted to take a school community and uh, especially in a lower socioeconomic area and let every child know that when they grow up, they can grow up to be whatever they want to be. What they need is to put their education first because in this country, you don't have to pay for books. You don't have to pay for pencils. And if you take advantage of this opportunity, then you can grow up and have some choices to make with what you would like to do with your life. Lagonia students are beginning to come back to Lagonia who've heard me talk about um, the opportunity that they have and share. I, w- I just received a scholarship to Washington State, tuition fully paid. Um, we're hearing great stories. But the motivation was to work with teachers alongside teachers having been a teacher, help every parent and every child come to know that if we all work hard, we can grow up to fulfill our dream or our destiny, what was meant for us.
0: Now, this is something that I think distinguishes you from other people that I know. I studied to be a teacher. I don't know if you knew that, but my background was in education um, I was inspired by movies like Stand and Deliver and uh, Lean on Me, the Morgan Freeman classic, the Lean on Me. Loved those movies. And I loved the idea of working alongside people and helping them you know, believe in, in themselves and believe that, that God had a purpose for their lives. And realized real fast that there's a lot of uh, cynicism within educators um, and principals and within schools about students. And what I think distinguishes you, if I could just say this, having worked in you know, a number of different places, is that you, what you just said, you actually still believe. Yes. And you have um, not just that, but you work tireless, tirelessly to that end to elevate people, to help them rise up. And I love being around that, that energy that you have. My question for you is, how have you maintained that sense of hope, seeing what you've seen, um, you know, through the, the, the grind of, of being a principal? And you know, how have you maintained that sense of hopefulness?
1: I think, I know that the Lord sustains me. I know that seeing our River Volunteers on campus sustains me. I know that the teachers that work on our campus work just as tirelessly and they believe and they love and they support children in every way possible I know that my staff, who sometimes walk very tired, will look up and see that the community cares enough to check books in and out, to wash windows, to pick up trash, to listen to a child read. That small gesture, that commitment of time is what helps renew our soul and our belief because we are not alone in our mission. We are together with everyone in that mission.
0: I, I will say that the staff uh, is remarkable and the energy and the commitment that your staff have is really, you know, it's phenomenal. And. I think a lot of that must flow from your leadership. Um, another question for you about that. We are in a state where the majority of people, and much of the conversation um, that I am privy to in church circles has to do with, there's a, there's a kind of a, a thing that goes something like this, right? Uh, it's, it's so sad what's happening in public schools. And people in Christian circles will be referring sometimes to, um, I don't know, a court ruling or a ruling about, you know, the whole bathroom fiasco thing like that, with the uh, transgender bathroom. That was, you know, people, oh, it's so sad and blah. blah. And I I hear that and I'm sad for those people because I I see this incredible beauty, uh, this beauty of diversity on public school campuses um, and especially, I see that uh, most beautifully at Lagonia. But the idea that a public school would invite a church or a religious organization to partner with them is, is pretty countercultural, I think, in, in kind of the climate that we live in, the political climate that we live in. So why did you do that? And why did you think that that um, would, would be okay with people? And, you know, weren't you kind of afraid at some level that people might say we don't, we don't want a church on campus. They're going to try to, you know, feed us some religious tagline or something. I mean, did, that, did those fears come in? And, like, why did you seek partnership with, with a church?
1: Um, I, I'm kind of suppressing a little chuckle there because I was one of those people. And, as I said, I was, you listen to the news as a parent, you um, work on a school campus, you see many regulations uh, come forward to keep children safe, because we do. We need to keep children safe. We put our children first. Um, Redlands Unified School District has partnered in its history with the University of Redlands the University of Redlands has an incredible service-learning program. They are sister schools with a university up north, Humboldt, and they, they share that service-learning um, program. So they're very close. So coming to Redlands Unified School District, having been an employee in three other districts prior to that, um, was novel to me something that I was interested in, but not something that I had understood or explored very deeply. So as I was approached initially, I'll I'll just even say Redlands Police Department, for example, wanting to partner, it felt unusual because in other districts you don't have other community members necessarily offering. The opportunity for partnerships. So this was new to me and I needed to learn about it. And I spoke with district office personnel. I spoke with, um, at that time, Lori Rhodes was assistant superintendent and came to learn and to understand more about what I'm going to refer to as the SAFE partnerships, which were the partnerships with the University of Redlands, Redlands PD and then slowly um, started to branch out and said yes for the first time to an opportunity through our city, um, a community of churches coming together at a uh, service-oriented Saturday in in April, known as Blessed Redlands. Said yes to that. Why? because our school needed that love and attention. Our students needed that love and attention. And I was willing to do anything that it would take to help lift our school from where it was to where we knew it could become. And that our school could make that shift, our community could make that shift. This was a community full of opportunity, Um, They face challenges, but every challenge is an opportunity, and we're presented with a challenge if called upon could certainly rise to the occasion. So could I rise to that occasion? So what was safe was a Saturday when I had no students on campus, um, followed all of the, the protocols and the rules, and many of the volunteers that came that day happened to be volunteers from the River Church. So we opened the school, pulled out the hoses. I I felt like the custodian that day, and it really was a lot of fun, because I had my keys and, and we were making things happen. That was such a great experience and opened my heart, opened my eyes to some possibilities that I was unaware of, some partnership ideas that I was unaware of. And so the second year, we had Blessed Redlands, we had more volunteers, we had more projects. The school was opened a little bit wider and could see the skill, the time, the dedication, and the care that was being given to our school, not just in the exterior, but in our library and in our classrooms. So that then grew, um, as you all well know, to a meeting, a conversation but it took me a couple of years two Aprils in a row yeah. before I, I got to meet some of the church members and understand that I can trust we have a volunteer process um, that the school district mandates we follow uh, the school board then approves everyone we have TB tests we have background checks we have fingerprints, we, you know, whatever the, the process is that we need to go through, that was not seen as an obstacle by the river. That was seen as, sure, we can accomplish this. We can make this happen so that we can partner. And that allowed us to be safe or feel safe. And then remember, we also started small. We started with intramural sports. Yep. So by starting that way, I also had employees working um, in the same areas and alongside of our river volunteers. And as we, as things began to grow, the trust began to grow uh, as the program continued and has blossomed to what it is today.
0: Yeah. Well, I, I think it is um, just real heroic, if that's maybe not too strong a word, but I don't think it is. <laughs> it, it, uh, it, it's to see that kind of courage to pursue that kind of partnership i don 't know that you hear it often enough, but thank you for leading in that way and leading the school, but also leading in this city. this is a it 's a big win for a lot of people, um, and you know I think most of all, I think it honors god I think it honors you know um, his his spirit and his presence um, among us and so uh, thank you for, for leading in that way. I really appreciate it.
1: Well, and I will share with you, in in my heart of hearts, those little fears, you have to turn those over to the Lord. You have to turn those over and and recognize that this is what my children need, this is what my staff needs, and... If I can trust and we can trust each other, we can build that relationship, as you said, it's mm-hmm. a win-win.
0: But at the beginning of things, you can see that. You can see what your, your children need. And as sort of, you know, the, the leader of that community, you see it. But to get that buy-in is, it can be challenging. Uh, you know, and like you said, you had two years to kind of to, to build that up. Um, and I, but I just, I know as someone who likes to initiate some new things that it can be challenging in that seat when, you know, you've, you've taken a risk and um, I just want to celebrate that and say thanks for that. So. Thank you.
1: And yeah. I'm going to give you credit too. You don't know it, but you are quite the cheerleader on campus. You can really rally the kids and rally the staff and rally. So I just want that on the record.
0: Yeah. It's always been my dream actually. You motivated. wanted to be, help people. I wanted to be a cheerleader. There you go. So, yeah. <laughs> hey, um, uh, another question for you. Maybe just getting into some of the nuts and bolts, because I, I had a chance to read the, the report that you wrote for. It's not a report. What do you call that? A it was an application,
1: application, and it was to the California School Boards Association. The beauty of what the California School Boards Association does is that they recognize programs, and especially ones that can be replicated. And they share those across the state. They share those with school board members across the state. And school board members, then, who um, work alongside superintendents, who work alongside um, you know, the, the school district staff, then can become informed that partnerships like this are certainly possible. And not just possible, where needed, can be encouraged.
0: Mm. So, two things. First, you made a um, comment at the beginning, and somebody else actually made it to me today on campus. One of the, um, what do you call it? Not hall monitors, but one of the campus monitors said, you know, she said, I read the article in the paper, and it just, it's not enough. It It doesn't actually show, and it doesn't get at what it feels like here now, you know that it's a different. It's a different place. It's like you know night and day, and you can't write about that without experiencing it. And um, so she made that comment, which again we want to encourage people if they haven't already to step onto campus. Um, you know, and you or I or somebody will give them a, a nice tour. But specifically, there are some numbers that I, I wasn't aware of until the Golden Ribbon last year when you, you wrote that application. And I, that they, those were shocking to me. And I know the, the partnership with the river wasn't the only thing cooking. Um, it wasn't the only program that was you know, a part of that. But say some, I mean, you might not know the numbers off, but what were some of those things that you wrote about in there?
1: You're right, I don't have the numbers memorized. However, what I can share with you um, we talked about a little bit earlier, and that is that the campus that I stepped onto 12, 13, 14 years ago, I think it was 12 to 13. Anyway, I came in mid-year, so it's hard for me, and as I explained, I'm timeline challenged. So so about 12 years ago, um, I can share with you that we used to be heavily tagged. We used to, be, we used to have um, fights break out after school. We would walk. Everyone, every teacher needed to exit their door and make sure that things were going well so that as we exited, we didn't have um, uh, students, you know, assaulting other students or people coming onto campus who didn't belong on campus. We would have Redlands PD come onto campus um, to break um, things up when... um, high schoolers or, you know, we would have one group on, the, on one side of the school and another group on the other side of the school that were upset with one another. That doesn't exist anymore. And the, what we started with, and you have to understand that as a school, as with most agencies, you have, we have a continual school improvement process. It's kind of like the cycle of life. You're constantly monitoring, checking, adjusting, all of the different components of a school. Whether it's the curriculum, whether it's assessment, whether it's are we in alignment. But the other part of that is our students' sociocultural needs. um, What social skills need to be developed. And so about eight years ago, nine years ago, we started with a peace builder program and implementing some of those pieces so that we were learning about respect. We were learning about being kind to one another. We were learning about righting our wrongs. And in that that process, we learned that we needed uh, more. So our students were making academic gains because we were focusing on that in our professional learning communities. But there was still that piece missing in unstructured areas. So we had things, you know, going well inside the classroom, but the children would go out to play or we would walk in the hallway and we wouldn't necessarily keep our hands to ourselves. or we would run and then instead of walking on the hallway and land on cement or knowing how to respond to a comment that may have been inappropriate, or um, I could give you many examples. And the first response of students often was physical when it could have been uh, resolved with, with words, with dialogue. What we needed were more role models On campus, especially in unstructured areas. We had children who were doing well academically but were hitting a a plateau, and so adults to read with children whose parents perhaps didn't have time to read with them at home or couldn't read with them at home for one of several reasons. And by partnering with the river, by bringing Uh, volunteers on campus to begin the intramural sports, all of a sudden what we saw was children beginning to employ the peace builder and conflict resolution skills that we were teaching in the classroom outside of the classroom. We were beginning to employ those because we wanted to be with Nick out, or um, Mario, or Rebecca, or was it Katie? We wanted to be out engaging in those intramural sports. The other aspect of the intramural sports was that we had noticed over the years that at the end of the uh, fifth grade school year, when the teachers and the students would have their ball game, one versus the other, we had many students who had never held a bat before, who didn't know how to pitch, much less catch a ball. And so...
0: So this is really all about that game and you wanting a little better competition?
1: No. Okay, all right. (laughs) Good try. That, that, no, but we did did want to help develop those foundational skills because although we had PE, we didn't necessarily have the equipment. So there were so many pieces that the partnership, even though we started small, met several needs. It met the need of having adult role models in unstructured areas. It met the need of children wanting to employ or learn good sportsmanship. Um, We'd have children who inadvertently would collide or bump into each other during a sport. It would break out in a fight. Here they began to learn that, oh, bumping into one another happens during this sport or that sport. And we just you know, apologize to one other, hey, you didn't mean to bump it. you know, and move on. So there were a lot of things that children were learning whose parents perhaps couldn't afford to um, sign them up for baseball after school or sports after school yeah. or basketball at the Y. So now they were getting that structure during our recess times a couple times a week. So yes, it started small, but in the report what you see is suspensions decrease because children are no longer fighting. They're employing their conflict resolution skills.
0: The, what was the, the number? It said in one report, I remember you gave um, like we had 33 this year and then 12. But in another oh. report it said 6.9 1.9? Well,
1: it depends on whether we're looking at incidents or whether we're looking at percentage difference. And okay. so um you can see, if you look over the years, where early on, we would have maybe 60, 80 suspensions a year. Wow. And we have dropped to single digits, okay? So when you take a look at academic achievement scores from when we first started, we had hit a plateau making two academic points growth. Okay, and that's and what
0: API stands for. That's a- that was academic the Academic points. Performance
1: Index went d- under CSTs okay. um, and No Child Left Behind before we switched to what we are now. Okay. So, so what the, happened so there? We had just a couple of points, and now children were exercising, not getting into fights. What did that allow them to do? It allowed them to stay in class. It allowed them to learn. If they got in trouble in class, if they had a detention slip, they had to sit out of intramurals. Now they don't want to get in trouble in class. They want to get along on the playground because they want to participate in the sport. Therefore, children are seated in class. Children are actively engaged. They're learning. And in this, then, you see our academic increase jump, double digits in um, the first year and then again to uh, finally achieving 809. So, and,
0: w- and 800 is kind of a big deal, right? On 800. 800. I don't remember why, but I remember reading somewhere that that's a, like the 800 club. The I'm 800 concerned.
1: club, exactly, yeah. in the state of California. That is indicative of a school that is um, performing well in the state of California.
0: And when did you hit 809?
1: I would say that it was probably in the third or fourth year of our partnership. And we we had plateaued, now I forgive me because I, I don't have the numbers memorized. That's again, number challenged. But we were in about 740, 750, and in those few years made it to 809. So we're talking about tremendous growth at the stages or at the levels where typically those are the hardest uh, growth years. Typically, it takes much longer to make that growth because the expectation really jumps.
0: Wow, that's really, I mean, it's, it's hard to believe. And it, it seems to, you know, the, the skeptic in me goes, it, it can't be, it can't be. Um, but those, you know, then the, the, the feeling is different, and, but that's hard to measure. Then when you see numbers like that, you go, wow! There really is just this amazing power in in the love of God, you know, a lo- and and to transform, literally transform, a community, mm-hmm. and that transformation is certainly not done, and nobody is claiming that it is. Um, just like none of us are are done, right? Growing and changing and having the edges shaved off, but uh, it's beautiful to see that that growth and that progression. And I love what you said a little bit ago about the blanket of love, you know. And yesterday when the validator, um, remind me her name. Her name is Jane Jane Smith. Smith. Yeah. When Jane said that what she has witnessed is um, people knowing that there is a family who loves them, you know, a big church family who loves them and a um, place where they can belong, uh, that wrecked me. I was, I was crying like a baby. Just because the image, you know, when I see so many of uh, these young uh, men, or boys and girls, and that sense of remembering when I was a kid and how desperately I wanted to belong to things, you know, and that she said as an outside person that she witnessed that was a a profound um, gift and observation that really touched me in a way that I had never thought about that partnership as as providing a family for for people who might not have a family where they experience the love of God, you know. And for her to say that really shaped how I view some of of this partnership. Um, It was a powerful, powerful moment of just, you know, belonging having kids belong, so uh, and a beautiful thing. What have been some of the, the gifts that you've received uh, as a principal, but maybe even more specifically in, in this relationship? You kind of touched on a little bit earlier. What are some of the, the best um, gifts for you personally? Some of the things that that you feel like you've been blessed with over, over this time?
1: I know. I'm sure you recognize that my work is my mission. I believe that um, I have been given the opportunity to witness what can be with God's love on a school campus. When we first met officially to discuss this partnership, one of the things that was a great concern, you know, we have many different faiths on campus just as we have many different languages and uh, we have people who don't believe and so there's that whole question of the separation of church and state and where the boundary is and one of the things that we discussed was the importance of walking that path walking the journey without necessarily preaching so that each person on our campus would feel Christ's love would feel what it was like to be a part of the family without that um, that preaching and that mutual respect I believe is is what we're has resulted in what we're seeing because He is present, Mm
0: -hmm.
1: our family is there. We are a family, we are a community, and stronger for it Mm -hmm. without necessarily saying, you must believe this or you should believe that. That, for me, has has been most significant, Mm -hmm. that love is that powerful.
0: Yeah, that's a.
1: Or a gift to me, perhaps.
0: Yeah, you uh, also are, and I hope this isn't isn't too far here, but you're also quite a uh, you're quite a mystic, in the sense <laughs> of. Um, in what way? Yeah, <laughs> let me try to describe this, um, in the sense that you're very open to. To mystery, you're very open to um, things that kind of transcend our understanding. Uh, you're, you're very open to God. Y- what you said at the beginning, um, God is is you know He works in mysterious ways mm-hmm. and ways that I don't always understand. How do you think that's aided you in your your role at Lagonia? How do you think that your that faith, you know, that rootedness, that Christ, the cosmic Christ, is't the God of the entire universe, um, is, is, uh, is a part of your campus and is working in your campus. and that part of your role is to kind of discover that. and how's that aided you and made you a better principal?
1: I'm here to serve. I serve at his will. And so I serve where I'm needed. Whether it's a child who needs help in class, whether it's um, this morning a custodian, substitute custodian didn't show up. I'm meant to be there doing that, whatever that is at that moment. Mm. I don't know why, I just know that it is and so it shall be done. Mm -hmm. And I think that when you're a principal you wear many hats and you can burn out and you can be exhausted, you can become cynical but if you come from a place of understanding that you're not king or queen, you are not um, this is your campus. These children are your responsibility. The staff is your responsibility. But we are here to serve them so that the children can grow up to be what they wish to be are intended to be. Then we're simply here to serve. Right. So I I don't know how else to answer that question outside of saying that my faith is... It. I'm in his hands. Mm. He allows me to be here and allows me to serve.
0: Yeah, I, I think that's, that's, you nailed it. That's what I feel, and that's, or that's what I experience around you, is that sense of holding on to it, but holding on loosely. And um, the idea that you're a steward of it, a steward of that leadership role, and... Uh, yeah, I, I see that both in your strength and in your flexibility and your willingness to experiment and say, well, if this is you know, essentially what God is doing at this time, um, then I want to be in that, yeah. in his will. So yeah. I, I think that's a beautiful thing. Um, can I ask you a little bit about your health? And I didn't put this in the questions that I had sent you, but a few years ago, you had a bout with cancer. And uh, I know you know that the river, we uh, were a part of that with you. Um, Tell us a little bit about that and what you learned or are learning from that.
1: It was um, a little stunning to hear that that news, that I had stomach cancer. Um, But again, because of my faith, I said, okay, this is what it is what's our what are our next steps and so had received a a plan um, with a team of doctors and how that was going to proceed Um, our family believes um, in god's absolute love and uh, the power of prayer i can share with you that as i shared with my family prayer circles began. And as I shared with members of the river, the community who has adopted us, I feel adopted hmm. um, and loved as a member of the family, um, prayers began. And during my surgery, which they had photos of, of the tumor, they had the measurement, um, they had trouble finding it. Hmm. I can tell you that... Um, when they excised whatever they were able to find, um, which I understand was just minuscule. Um, All edges were clean. I continue to be cancer free. And I believe wholeheartedly that um, a miracle happened. They spent an extraordinary amount of time above and beyond what they thought the surgery was gonna take, looking for what they could not find, Hmm. for what was supposedly there. So blessed again. And I thank everyone here for their prayers. I believe that that tumor um, shrank away. And had we waited, had we continued with prayer, may have not been there at all, may not have had anything left.
0: Do you think that experience, did it at all I don't want to say change you, but how did that...
1: It strengthened my belief. Hmm. It strengthened my understanding that in this universe, as you said, whatever these cosmic powers are, that we are sometimes given gifts, and we are sometimes um, blessed with things that we don't understand, sometimes as signs to show, perhaps, when we're beginning to experience doubt, when we're beginning to experience troubles, that there are things that are out of our control and if we turn them over we can remain in peace and again his will be done so had had it been my time to go home he would have called me home but clearly it was not my time clearly there's a reason that i am still here clearly there is a reason Um, for our partnership to be in place. Clearly, there was a reason why I became principal at Lagonia. And I may never know the extent to which our partnership or how um, any of us touch people's lives or the impact that we're having. We may never know that. It's enough to know that we're doing the best that we can and in his name.
0: Amen. You're preaching again. You just went into <laughs> preaching mode. we got to have you here at the pulpit. Hey, I want to invite our audience. I can't uh, say anything better than what you just said. And that is a, a beautiful statement of faith and something that just gets my motor running and excited. And I don't know what the future holds. Um, I can tell you that when I heard the news, um, my prayer was, if you don't look after this one, you know, who will you look for, look out for? Uh, because in, in principle, Yadi, I see as pure and a, as hopeful and as beautiful a soul as there is on your planet. And so if you won't, if you won't come to bat for her, you know that was my prayer, and I, I wept outside our office building. I had to leave a meeting. I was shaking in in rage, really. And um, you know, for I guess for you to be where you are right now, for this time and in this the life of this city and this region, and um, you know the California School Board, whatever that was called that thing, all of that. Um, and in my life, I just count as a tremendous, tremendous gift and an answer, um, you know, that, uh, that was a su- huge surprise and blessing. So thank you so much for your love for, for my family and for me and for this community and for the Lagonia community in this city. We just, we really celebrate you. Um, I want to open it up to the audience here and see if anybody has any questions for Principal Yeti. Way in the back. We'll get you a mic, Alice, so that um, we can record the question. You go ahead and say it, and then I'll repeat it. My question is maybe I missed it. Is there anything on the horizon that increases, that develops, that goes beyond
2: the relationship that we have now to
0: grow it more? Good question. So Alice said, is there anything on the horizon that um, to, or any plans to kind of grow this relationship between the river and Lagonia? Uh, Anything that is on the horizon to grow that?
1: Thank you, Alice, for asking that question. I typically don't come to Nick or to Debbie um, asking for more unless it is, oh, the teachers are asking if we can start this program earlier. Oh, I'm wondering if it typically comes from student needs to teachers to myself. And so I can share with you that at this time, there aren't um, large uh, scale uh, plans from Lagonia, But it also works the other way. Our volunteers will share, I very much would like to um, have an art class, or I would very much like to do this with the kids. And most recently, at the end of last year, um, Debbie asked, you know, hey, we would like to do more in the library. Is it possible for our volunteers to be present more than just one hour a day, but be in the library to support the teachers as they check books in and out. So that has expanded. And so we take those suggestions and we grow and expand depending upon the talents and the time and the needs um, just coming together. So, um, Olivia Hibbler, I don't know how many of you know Olivia Hibbler, doing an amazing job uh, partnering at Lagonia with our kindergarten, first, and second grade teachers. She is a PE teacher. She's, she knows the PE standards, and we haven't had professional development to train our teachers in what those standards are in many years because we've been focusing on reading and writing and math and making sure that our children are making those academic um, gains and making grade level standards so they can grow up to be whatever they're meant to be. And she came in and said well what if I teach and the teacher is with me and that way the teacher learns alongside the students. So, it's like a year long internship that my teachers get to participate in because Olivia felt this calling to serve at Lagonia for a year. And I just, I was so touched and so impressed because we're not just, you know, playing with the kids and, um, no, we're teaching teachers alongside students developing skills. And that's just a huge blessing for our school.
0: I would add to that too, uh, what you said about it kind of coming up from students to teachers to you, then usually what happens is there's a conversation. So last spring, it was with the assistant principal who said, hey, Nick, can you do intramurals with K through three? And I said, no way. I don't have time to be able to do that. And then that's what led to say what would it look like for us to develop a, you know, a PE program for those ages. So it came from Lagonia uh, and the staff who, who had a need. And then you know, I think the, our response has been, we're gonna do the best we can to come alongside in that. So good question, Alice.
1: Thank you.
2: So I will say, just since you're talking about Olivia Hibbler and Revive P.E., I'll tell you that I was talking to my wife, who is a music educator, and uh, we were talking in the car and I was telling her about what Olivia is doing with Revive P.E. at Lagonia, and she said, wow, well, if this model works, wouldn't it be great someday to replicate it with the arts? So someday in Lagonia, maybe there will be Revive Music and Revive Art and who knows what else, and... So I just wanted to plant that seed in in your mind.
1: He's kind of a dreamer. That's a great seed to plant. Thank you.
0: Revive Kung Fu.
1: You know, let me talk about music just a little bit. One of the things that we have in place right now, um, or that we're trying to do, is if there's anyone whose child um, is now grown. You know that if you're playing an instrument, you eventually will grow into another one and then another. Um, So if you have a flute or if you have a violin, child size, that, or or a clarinet, any instrument that you are not using that you would like to donate to the school so that we can involve more children in band, that would be fabulous. Children typically are asked to rent an instrument, at, and I don't remember what the prices are, but they're typically asked to rent instruments. And we have several families that are very interested in their children playing a musical instrument but cannot afford to rent the instrument. So each year, um, we try to add an instrument. Um, whether it's myself buying one and donating one to the school or a community member donating one to the school, um, or we collect uh, donations and we buy a nice refurbished um, instrument. And we add that to the collection so that the size of the children participating in strings or participating in band can grow. And they use it throughout the year. They're very good about returning them at the end of the year. So that, and we offer ban to fourth and fifth grade students, and they use them for the two years, and then another child um, gets to start at, at fourth grade once the fifth graders moved on to middle school. So:
0: You know what? I, I have to confess that I'm kind of glad I haven't heard um, on campus yet our recorders. <laughs> I have not heard recorders. And I, I want to thank you for that. <laughs>
1: We used to buy them religiously when we had money (laughs) before the economic downturn of 2008.
0: (laughs) Sorry, Glenn.
2: Have you seen any uh, changes in the teacher retention or turnover since the river's been involved?
1: That's a great question. This last school year, we had two teachers um, transfer to other schools. It, we typically have about two or three that transfer to another school. This year, we've experienced growth, so we have actually added two additional classrooms. So we have four new teachers. The teacher transfer uh, process has slowed. There was a time before we partnered with the River, we were known as a, a rough school with a rough community, And that has completely turned around. There were times when I would have six to eight teachers leave in one year, and now it's one or two.
0: I was talking to a teacher at the beginning of the year, I think it was, and uh, she she had been there for nine years, or maybe this was her 10th. And she said, she was, you know, just commenting on what a different campus it is, and I asked her, I said, what do you think? What do you think that that change, where does that change come from? Like, why is it so different? And she said two things, and she didn't have to think about it. She said two things. One, we have our teachers who are sticking around, and, um, you know, they're excellent, and they're just great. And I would agree with her completely. And then she said, two, the partnership with the river. And I thought that was really interesting that, you know, this was her commentary on the, the change that she'd experienced at the school.
1: And I will share um, if the one or two that typically leave uh, will transfer to the school that their own children are at. And that makes a difference. When I have one teacher on campus that has children, um, would have had children at two different schools and... Um, uh, teach at Lagonia, so uh, we certainly brought her youngest child over so that she has children at two school. Um, It's typically for childcare. Another, uh, the other one that that left this year, um, it's just between her home and her middle school, it's typically um, the children. Um, Her child was then going to the middle school, which was COPE, and so just the, the distance and making all of that work can sometimes be challenging. So we have
0: more and more the
2: question is um, Since the children have changed, have you seen the families change more? You know, because their, their kids want to go to school? Are they getting along easier or are they volunteering more?
1: I'm glad you've asked that because that's been a focus at Lagonia. This is the first year that we have as large a PTA and as many people wanting to be on, on, camp, on PTA and volunteering than we've ever had in all the years I've been at Lagonia. And before I was at Lagonia, the principal there said that the PTA was basically a campus monitor, the office manager, and himself. And so we've come a very long way. We have... Um, also had a River Volunteer who moved into our community and who has been spearheading increased parent involvement on campus. So I do believe that that will happen on an increasing rate. Um, It's a question of, of time and people learning about what that looks like and how they can participate. Oh, and we invite everyone at the River to become a part of our PTA. Membership <laughs> envelopes are available.
0: I wondered if uh, other schools in the district have seen what's going on at Lagonia and have tried to uh, replicate that with with other partner churches or other organizations in Redlands.
1: The beauty of uh, being principal at Lagonia is that we have an assistant principal on campus. Lagonia, uh, I've had the privilege of training assistant principals, um, two in fact, and now on, on my third, during the time that we have been partnering with the river. So we now have sitting principals that have seen the value of this partnership and we have those two principals, in fact, asking about um, and have approached uh, Nick about, hey, we love to partner with you or another church. The River, also the pastors, all got together with pastors from uh, other churches in the community and invited myself and uh, the other principals to come in and visit with them and share this model. So... What I love about this model is that both the church and the school are seeing the benefit of this partnership. And so both are eager to see the model replicated. And not knowing that Nick and Scott and the other pastors were working on pulling this group together, we're speaking with our fellow principals. So now we have a principal uh, from Franklin Elementary School who was not my assistant principal who hasn't seen the model but who has heard about the model um, now approaching us to say we'd like to hear more we'd like to um, partner with the church do you have any suggestions and so yes it is already beginning to um, expand across our district
0: yeah. there's so Franklin and is in conversation with a, another church right now um, and then Judson Brown is in has already met their principal and one of the, a local pastor who's at a church like right next to uh, right next to their campus um, and then potentially another one as well mission. yep mission, mission. elementary mm-hmm. um, and I, we don't have a church yet that is ready to partner with them but that's the hope so yeah, thanks. Good question, Matt.
2: One of the things that we understand um, about this partnership, Kathy, is that this, it's me, hi, um, <laughs> that this partnership has a huge amount to do with who Kathy Yide is, her love for Lagonia, and her love for the relationship that we have. How do we, as a church, and as individuals hearing this dialogue pray specifically for Kathy not just for the school we pray for the school not just for your teachers we pray for your teachers how do we pray for you in order to equip you to be the best principal and to be the best woman to be the best wife to be the best person that you can be so that partnership that we have with you is with a person who is healthy and flourishing and growing and experience the beauty of life in its fullness. How can we pray for you?
1: I honestly do not know the answer to that question, and I don't like getting an F on my test. (laughs) I, <laughs> good, I'm so glad there's no else. Um You bring me to tears because I feel your love. And perhaps therein lies the answer. Perhaps praying for Kathy Eide to understand just how much she's loved and supported. I see it, and sometimes I work perhaps so feverishly that I don't, take the time to recognize it.
2: can you give us a real quick health report you doing okay
1: I am a okay the good Lord has blessed me with uh, great health um, a great husband, a great family and I really perhaps this this um, i I really see so many needs around me that, how do I put this, I, I almost, I feel overly blessed as though the best prayer for me would be to pray for my students, for my families and for our community members. Does that make sense?
0: It does, but we're still going to pray for you.
1: I appreciate that. Thank you. <laughs> like-
0: like right now, we're actually going to. So I'm going to conclude with that question, and we're just going to set down the mic. How
1: beautiful are the feet of the ones who share the good news of God.